0: Welcome to the Dear Mark Project Podcast, brought to you by Bray Co. As marketing and advertising professionals, honesty and transparency need to be at the forefront for everything we do. However, with new emerging technology, creating materials that are both engaging and 100% transparent can be super tricky. The Dear Mark Project Podcast produces weekly episodes on honesty and transparency as it relates to the advertising and marketing spaces. Our goal is to get Mark Zuckerberg and his social media empire to create an automatic hashtag filtered image tag that shows up on any post that uses a filter. It's a small action that we believe can create a world of a difference. Stay tuned on how you can support. Enjoy the show. When it comes to advertisements and social media what are a few of the biggest issues that you've personally seen as it pertains to men's mental health self-worth and confidence
1: mm. i guess there's two sides of this this coin for in in the social media space particularly not so much advertisements but social media is you have a, a lot of toxic masculinity that comes out in in social media posts from different people it's around the the hyper masculine way to be a man um and what that does is i guess it it causes a lot of men who don't i guess align with hyper masculinity who might have a sensitive or more vulnerable side maybe they're experiencing mental health issues that they feel like it, it it shames them into the way that they're feeling and and causes them to look inwards and and not seek help and not talk about things because you know, often when they, when people do, you know, put things out in social media, there can be a lot of comments back and a lot of things saying, well, oh, you're not a man, you need to harden up, stop being such a girl, stop being gay, etc., cetera, et cetera. And it really perpetrates this, or it doesn't really perpetrate it, but it just, it keeps guys in boxes. And then on the other side of the coin is, is people like me and, and the, the guys that I follow who are actively trying to break that down and break down the stigma and shame associated with mental health issues and disability as well by being vulnerable on social media, by showing that it's okay to be not okay um, and that you can share a story and still, you know, receive love and support from all those around you. And, and, and in fact, sharing your stories is actually a really valuable thing to do for guys um, and the more that we can share it, the more we can break down the shame and stigma associated with living with mental illness um, or disability. And I think that's where we really need to focus and, and go and, and show showcase the profiles on online, whether it's Insta, Facebook, TikTok. TikTok is pretty brutal. There's a, there's a lot of keyboard warriors on TikTok, um, even on YouTube as well. And so trying to break that down. The challenging part of that is is what I've come across is bots, and and what you think is a human being is someone who is not real. It's just someone who's trying to bring you down, or force you into a dialogue, which I assume is some sort of way of fishing for information or or, or or links or something like that, uh, which can be really challenging when you're managing a social media profile. Like, is are you talking to a real person or are you talking to a bot? Um, And that's something that I think is is really challenging in this space. But from an advertising perspective, um, I see a lot of information in the men's space around suicide, around depression, um, a little bit about anxiety, but not so much around any other mental illness as well. And, you know, I've got the DSM-5 behind me, which is like on a thousand pages of mental illness information. But we seem to focus on these three or four key issues, and and to a lesser extent, uh, family and domestic violence. But for someone like me who lives with obsessive compulsive disorder, which is a pretty significant anxiety condition, um, I'd love to see more diversity in what you know, different businesses or charities or even or even governments as well. Are sharing around mental illness because when we focus just on depression, anxiety, suicide, and domestic violence, it leaves everybody else out because they feel like you know I'm not being spoken about, I'm not being talked about, and I think particularly for OCD, it's such a misunderstood condition, and it's often trivialised as well. That you know people see it as more as a, more of a personality trait. You might you might be with a group of friends or at a work thing, and I, this has happened to me over my 15 year career is. People saying in in a PowerPoint presentation, oh, my OCD is so bad because this PowerPoint doesn't have a full stop at the end of this sentence. But if they actually knew what it was like to live with OCD, then they might not say these things anymore. And I think the the, the more we can advertise the diversity of mental illness um, and disability as well, I think the more awareness we can bring to the community and also... Help those who don't live with the mate, you know, depression, anxiety. I mean, I live with those as well, but you know, help those who don't experience those those symptoms or conditions to go, oh, you know, someone's talking about my condition. It's okay for me to live with this and it's okay for me to seek help and it's okay for me to talk about it. And so that's what I do in my Instagram and and Facebook and, and my podcast as well, is I share the diversity as well. It's not just about depression or anxiety, it's not just about family domestic violence or suicide it's a, a a lot about ocd because i feel like that needs to be spoken about but i bring in people from all walks of life you know different disabilities as well just to talk about their story and and bring light to the i guess the diversity that's inside our minds as well
0: yeah and i like that you brought up like that inclusive approach because I feel like, you no, know, no matter what advertisement you're putting out or what you're putting out on your social media is that you're trying to be inclusive, right? So being inclusive of those, you know, mental health conditions is extremely important. And I also like that you touched on the toxic or hyper-masculinity and especially how that relates to social media and advertisements. So can you provide like a couple of examples, um, especially for people that are in the advertising industry? Um, like what can they stay away from if they're not trying to portray that toxic masculinity?
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot on Instagram because I've always been interested in men's groups and I'm I'm keen to explore men's groups as part of my business as well. And, you know, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. That's my main platform that I I work with. And you see a lot of videos of guys basically in circles. Maybe they've got their tops off and they're just screaming at each other's faces like this. And the whole idea is that they're meant to get primal. They're meant to get back to their, their masculinity but what this does is it, it, it just perpetrates that masculinity is something that's strong, it's something that is in your face, it's something that's you know, I guess comes down from this concept of traditional patriarchy where the guy is the, the, the leader, the guy is the one in charge, the guy is the one who's strong and, and he's, he's going to, you know, save everybody, you know, all these types of things. And when you're not those that type of guy... Like, I'm not the kind of guy that would want to scream in someone's face. In fact, that would invoke a flight response in me, not a fight response. Um, You know, I'm not the guy that watches boxing or mixed martial arts or um, things like that. Like, I watch, you know, I watch sports and stuff like that, but it's not the hyper-masculine stuff. So I don't identify with that stuff. So if you're looking at advertising towards men and you want to stay away from that, it's about just showing guys in everyday life, actually. It's the guy that goes to work, it's the dad, it's the husband, it's the partner, it's the son, just doing everyday things. And, you know, I was, I was watching, I was doing some professional development the other day and it was a great little uh, video on there of just a guy trying to navigate like losing his job and trying to be a dad at the same time and and the feelings and and emotions that came up that. So if you can capture that type of stuff, and then capture the guys that are working through that, actively working through that, but in a more of a normal... I, I hate using the word normal because what is normal these days? But if you can perpetrate more normalcy instead of hyper-masculinity, which not many guys identify with, or in fact many guys are trying to work, walk away from in, in the kind of therapy that I do, I think you're going to go a long way to to capturing the guy's attention that you actually want to capture um and and there's a place for the hyper masculinity there's a place you know because we're not all the same kind of people we're not from the same dna so that screaming in, ch- in front of you know in, into each other's faces might work for some guys and that's might might be what they need to break free from whatever challenges that they're breaking through but for many of us the majority i'd say that's probably the opposite it's, it's that's the stuff we go i don't really deal. don't want to deal with that and then when i guess the broader community sees that sees those types of advert advertisements for the for these men's groups. That's when you get the, I guess, the fight between feminism and mass and you know and patriarchy, and that comes out. And you start seeing this in the comments. You start seeing that, and people sharing, you know. And then you know, obviously, when when there's a family and domestic violence incident in Australia, particularly. The media just goes nuts for putting the guy down and showing him, oh, you know, they're hypermasculine, they're 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 toxic, they're they're two in your face and all this type of stuff. And I think that's that's the very minority. That's that's the 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 vast minority is these people. In fact, majority of guys are just they are sensitive and new age, they just don't realize it or they don't want to admit it. <laughs> um, so that's what part of what I do is, is showing the sensitive side and, and the vulnerable side, because I think the more we can do that, yeah, the more we can break down or, and away from that toxic side as well.
0: As a PR professional, how do you go about creating an authentic, honest, and ethical PR practice and why is having these attributes present in your practice so important?
2: I think that's a great question. And and I think basically you've described the job. I mean, <laughs> That's the job description of of a professional communicator or anyone that's working in the public relations realm. Um, We're bound to be honest and open and ethical communicators. And those of us who are, like myself, who are members of PRSA, the Public Relations Society of America, and or are accredited, like myself, we um, authorize the Public Relations Society of America Code of Ethics, um, which, which you know, that's the you know sort of the core essence of the Code of Ethics is to always make sure that we are communicating openly, honestly, and ethically. Um, that we are act and that we are always acting in the best interests of the public good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so when you talk about, you know, making sure that you are essentially a voice for the common good of the people, um, I feel like, you know, no one, no brand comes at it from at least from my perspective, a malicious intent of, hey, I'm going to be dishonest, I'm going to be unethical. Um, But sometimes accidents happen, you know, we're all humans. Um, So like, what are some maybe um, practices that we can make sure in our heads so we can be performing our jobs in the most ethical way?
2: I like that you I like that you touched on the the human component of communications first of all so I wanted to I think I'll start by speaking to that so you know to your point in communications we all you know we all make mistakes sometimes we find errors sometimes we find we are you know we start by coming from a place of communicating all of the information that we know, everything that we know to be accurate and true at the time that that information is shared. And then at some point in time, we might realize that something was unintentionally omitted from that information, or there was a typo, or there was a statistic perhaps that was reported incorrectly. And so as professional communicators, it's our responsibility to acknowledge that immediately upon discovery and to be able to ish, reissue that information to those relevant parties um, in its corrected and most accurate and complete state. So that's the first thing. And then we also want to identify, you know, internally, we want to be able to take those steps to identify what happened. You know, where was the, where was this, you know, without, uh, you know, from a place of curiosity, from a place of compassion and empathy rather than a place of shaming or blaming or, or anger, right? So we're coming at this constructively to do a little, uh, you know, a little investigation to determine what happened, um, um what are the circumstances now and what can we put into place in terms of our own practice to be able to prevent that from happening again so that we're always learning from those kinds of mistakes or errors right or just circumstances right and that we're always looking that as an opportunity to to ask ourselves and if we're in a, in a, a larger organization or within a team what are we supposed to be learning, right? And how can we um, how can we move forward in a way that builds us stronger and makes us more capable um, and more uh, resilient as we move forward when we discover these kinds of things?
0: Advertising may tend to adopt racially insensitive messages or it can even comply with stereotypes that may embrace the values of being problematic or racial ideologies. And unfortunately, there are still some companies out there whose advertisements may contain that racial stereotyping. And even unknowingly, Ashley, what are some ways that advertising may use these stereotypes?
3: Um, A lot of times advertise advertisers do not check their own biases or look at things from A lens that may impact communities of color. So when they're creating advertisements, it can cause a lot of racial trauma toward communities, especially when they are depicting certain community members in a negative light. Um, I think about the uh, the longtime viral image of LeBron James and gosh, the the white actress, white female actress. I cannot remember her name. Maybe she's like a model, but it was on the cover of, I believe, Sports Illustrated. And LeBron was just really big, almost like his body formed somewhat like an animalistic type being. When you think about like the gorilla, um, Godz- not gorilla, Godzilla, Godzilla and how he's often portrayed and like having buildings in his hands the picture was done pretty the same with LeBron James and then this white female who was in that graphic and just the way that they enlarged his character and then they made the white female very much small so that was a negative portrayal that I think an advertised Not I think I know the advertiser did not look at how that could actually be construed an extremely harmful and continue to perpetuate this idea that black men are just big and like um overbearing especially when it comes to white women and that had a lot of controversy as it should so I just think of things like that and then there's a whole whole history of advertising especially when it comes to harmful rhetoric and communities of color from um exaggerated facial expressions, um, plastering watermelons and chickens and stereotypical things. Um, Gosh, what was the other one? H&M, Gucci, all of these different brands who've had horrible advertising when it comes to um, communities of color.
0: I love that you brought up the subject of being biased, because I think that there are a lot of individuals that don't create advertisements or content necessarily through malicious intent. However, the whole point of advertising and content is to make sure that the most amount of people are seeing that piece of content or that asset. And so if you're not carefully thinking through things, you can end up causing a lot of harm. So I'm really curious to get your perspective. How do you think that individuals and companies, how can they make sure that they aren't creating ads through a bias lens?
3: I think they need to be practicing from an anti-oppressive lens. Um, They need to ensure that they're being anti-racist. They need to have some sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion training, um, I think that it's important that they bring in diverse individuals who can actually help them with their advertising and also ensuring that those individuals ascribe to the cultural norms of the community in which they're representing and I say this, because oftentimes we will fill a position with a black or brown body, but those individuals still ascribe to white supremacy. So then, you know, just because you have a black or brown person or, you know, LGBTQ or whatever marginalized community they're from, if they still ascribe to the harmful norms of of, of an oppressor, then it's really not doing anything when it comes to diversity. Um, I think about Tom Burrell, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's the author of Brainwashed. It's a phenomenal book um, about challenging the myth of Black inferiority. He was an actual, uh, what do you call it, like an advertiser. He had a marketing company. He had one of the first Black marketing companies, and he really looked at advertising and racial bias within advertising, the same conversations that we're having and it's, it's really profo- profound the things that he has in his book it like goes back to the 1619 1619 and looks at different advertising and how that started being harmful for communities of color
0: thanks for listening to learn more about how to make social media a more honest empowering place to be follow us on instagram at the dear mark project and visit our website dearmark.co stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.